So you see, every day, every week, every month, and every year of my life, my hero's always 10 years away. I'm never going to be a hero. I'm not going to attain that. I know I'm not. And that's just fine with me because that keeps me with somebody to keep on chasing. Hey everyone, Dave here. This episode is about growing older. Phil and I recorded it last spring, so this is pre-pandemic, but there's still a lot a lot of lessons uh, to be learned and definitely things I had forgotten to be able to go back and listen to myself. I hope you enjoy this episode. So, today's topic, getting older. You just said something before we started recording your role as a human being has changed. And I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, you want me to, to, to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Cause we're in such a unique point in life. We're getting, um, they call us like we're the sandwich generation now where our kids are getting a little older and our parents are getting older to the point that both of like we're carrying for both. And we're thinking about both constantly. Like I've, it's, it's, it's funny when I was younger, you only worried about yourself. And now I'm, when the phone rings, I'm either worried it's my oldest got into trouble or my parents are in trouble and need help. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know exactly how you feel. Yeah. For, I mean, for me, it's just been, um, like you said, you start out, you start out young and selfish. And then as, you become a dad, like that's a big shift, you know? And then, I mean, I'm at a point right now where I would say that, that I'm more or less the patriarch for my entire family and extended family, including yeah. people that are, you know, including people that are older than me and my, my parents and uncles and all that sort of stuff. I think I'm kind of considered the person that, that they go to, to, to make things right and to sort of lead for lack of a better term. And I, I, I know that there's been a few turning points throughout my life when I had to realize that I was no longer the kid, you know, I was no longer the, um, the understudy or I was no longer the person that was looking up to someone else. I was now thrust in some cases in a position where I had to, to lead and sort of, you know, just get, get us through some stuff. I actually very, very vividly remember, um, I was hanging out with my, with my cousin's husband and, you know, we used to, we had a really, really good relationship and he's, he's actually passed away, passed away about 10 years ago. But throughout my entire childhood, I looked up to this guy. I mean, he was my absolute hero. I remember you telling me about him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, this was later on in, in our sort of relationship together where we would still, whenever I would go visit them, we would always try and find some time to spend just he and I. And so this was one of those situations where it was just me and him. We decided we were going to go for a walk through the woods at night to some, some, some bluff or some cliff or something. And he wanted to show me like with the moonlight or whatever, he wanted to show me this thing and he thought it would be really cool. So I was like, fine. And, um, to make a long story short, you know, we, we brought a couple six packs with us and I realized he had probably had 
a few before we even got started. And so it went from, you know, this guy was about a decade older than me. It went from me, you know, following him to me leading him out, out of what was a potentially very dangerous situation. And that was, that oh, was man. definitely a, uh, a, a very interesting turning point. And I remember, you know, looking back on it and realizing the moment where I went from being the, the guy that looked up to him to being the guy that was in control and had to help him and sort of, I had to be the one who was leading, which was very interesting. How old were you? I was in my twenties at the time. You know, I so this have, like yeah, we knew. Were we in like uh, like junior college? I think I think it was even past college. I might have even. Um, it was out uh, yeah, working I, at Alpha. Yeah, I might have even been in my early thirties at that point. Maybe oh, maybe okay. my late twenties. Yeah, it was right around that time. You know, it was it was um, early career. And, um, I just, it was, it was, I learned a lot of things afterwards, you know, after I kind of shared that experience with my family, I learned some things that I wish they would have maybe shared with me sooner <laughs> about, uh, what, yeah. what the norms were, you know, because he had changed a little bit as well. And it was just, it was just interesting, very interesting, you know, and I've had a couple of those moments. I've had, um, certainly with my family, I've, I've had a few moments where the younger generation has treated me like I treated him, you know, and, and I looked up to him and I mean, anything that came out of his mouth, I was listening. And I've noticed that, that they definitely do that with me, you know, and often will look for, for guidance on, on things big and small from me, you know, I'll get a Facebook message or I'll get a text or whatever. And, um, it's just cool to be playing that That's role great. now. Yeah, that you get uh, you get validation like that. What I found uh, this is the one thing nobody ever told me when I was a dad, but I kind of got used to this being in IT. Right, being in IT, no one gives you kudos. Mm-hmm. And most of my most of my career has been that way. Um, of all the companies and all the different tech companies I've worked at, I've hardly ever get like kudos from within. It's like you'll hear things. Uh, as part of people you've influenced through talking and maybe something you wrote on social. So like, I'll see it there, but never directly from a company or anything. But one of the, the things that nobody ever told me, and maybe you could tell me this is different. Maybe your family's different, but with two girls in my family, um, no one has ever gone up to me and just give me a hug and said like, you're a great dad. Mm-hmm. There's like none of that validation. And it's, it's funny because of gender roles nowadays and today, like that no one's come out and spoken that, but you're as, as a dad, you're still expected to be the strong one with no need for any kind of validation at all. Oh yeah. And, and in fact, you get quite the opposite. You know, my, my kids, <laughs> my kids think it's hilarious to, um, to, to basically shred me. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking it, about they the do it being day. funny yeah yeah like i'm fat and i'm greasy and i'm balding and i'm ugly and what all the, all these things i just uh you know and I, I think just, as a guy you know as a guy that kind of stuff to me it's always rolled off because we always you know when we are it's just what you do guys tease other guys mm-hmm. you try and tough reach up so the the physical any kind of like physical things never bothered me it's the man when you're struggling um you, it's hard as a as a dad to vocalize that anywhere, and men don't do it. Yeah. You and I share it sometimes, and so you've wound up finding it out on your own. And I think this is why there's um, there's a lot of depression and stuff out there too. I realized when I was looking into because I go through these waves, right, where I'm in this like hero's journey, super creative streak, like it's just amazing. 
And then all of a sudden I'll go into this valley, man. Mm -hmm. And I've done things through my life intrinsically. And you may do this too, where intrinsically things would happen. I wouldn't know why I was doing them, but I, at looking back now, I realize it's because I never wanted to get back to the valley. So for example, I might uh, just work out more or I might like totally immerse myself in a game. Mm -hmm. And I go like hardcore and I'm like, why am I doing this? Right? Like I realized later it's a total waste of time, but I was actually trying to prevent my brain from going down a valley. And I think when we were in college, especially that freshman year, you and I were in this, this valley. And oh uh, yeah, it was brutal, man. Talk about re <laughs> talk about having an expectation of what it was going to be like and then experiencing <laughs> something completely different. Correct. You know, when you're, so when you're living under mom and dad's roof, and you more or less don't have to worry about a darn thing. And then all of a sudden you're thrust into this college atmosphere where you're truly determining the future of your entire life. It is heavy. And on top of that, I mean, we went there at a time when there was 800 students on campus, mostly mm -hmm. guys, not very diverse out of 10,000 students. I mean, there was, so we were also dealing with what our expectation of what our college years would be. Right. And so I started looking this up, like, um, like when you're prone to depression, there's dominant other and dominant goal and dominant other is not me. Dominant other is when you value the input of others. And so your self-esteem is based on what everybody thinks. And, and for me, that's never been the case, but I am totally susceptible to dominant goal. Mm -hmm. And that's all about personal achievement and success. It's almost, um, you know, existentialism where you're continuing to just learn more and more about yourself and improve, right? It's very uh, young in going through the individuation process and, and things like that. And, and when I, the more I looked into it, I was like, wow, this is me. Like when you're younger, when I was in grade school, I got picked on relentlessly. Mm -hmm. One for being a computer nerd. Uh, and I was arrogant about it back then. I wasn't socialized well enough, you know, so I was proud that I knew technology Mm -hmm. Got picked on for all of that. And I was also got picked on for being a, a juvenile diabetic. I mean, kids could be cruel. No so, kidding. I mean, oh, yeah, 10 years old, they used to just call me a diabetic a-hole. And they would go wow. around and pant, pants me. And, oh, yeah, man, all sorts of stuff. And so what's interesting is I look back and you see we don't have – like our kids have all this video, right? But I, I hear stories and photos of the kid I was up until like fifth and sixth grade, which is when it really went – it was – I was teased and bullied relentlessly. And then I changed in seventh and eighth grade. But when you have a dominant goal personality, what happens a lot of times, and this is exactly how I felt. I was like, you know what? They're doing this to me, but they don't know my potential. And I'm going to show the world. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I am going to succeed so much that when they see it, um, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. And they'll see the person that actually was not, the, not that kid that they were teasing. Mm -hmm. And, as you get older, what happens is, and I've realized this all my life, whenever I ran into an impasse in my career or anything else, it was because something was preventing me from my goal. And where you'll get depressed is you realize you can no longer, because of any the circumstances out of your hands, through your own force of will, you can no longer move forward to that goal that you've set for yourself. And mm -hmm. so that when that reality sets in, that can really depress you. And as a dad, I mean, you, I think you, um, handle this way more than me. Whereas I really do struggle where I've made on the outside to everybody else. They've been like, yeah, Dave's always made these decisions for his family. 
And I do it without a second guess, but there are some dark moments, man, where you realize you've given up that goal you've set for yourself as a kid. Yeah. And like you do, you can't, you no longer can achieve it. Uh, and so I realized that's when I game or I do all these other kind of like hobbies, because if you let that reality set in. And so I think this is what happens to a lot of men is you've set you, you especially at our age, you you've set your, your goals, right? You realize now you have these responsibilities for your family. And so there's a sacrifice. And so how do you deal with the fact that you'll never attain those goals? You know, mm-hmm. for some people, that's a couple beers every night. Others, it's for me for a while, for years, it was eating like crap, mm-hmm. you know, and got, and got rid of that. But yeah, it's, I think it's as part of it's just being, becoming aware. So now I know I'm wired that way. <laughs> and so like when I, when I, when I'll go game, like this weekend, we were talking, and this is why I don't think you should play because this is, I'm, I'm, I've been crazy with it. So EverQuest, the, the server when it launched yeah, on the 16th, um, I, I don't even want to talk about how many hours I've put in that thing. <laughs> oh boy. Oh yeah. And I'm like, and this is, and I realize this is what I used to do. I would bring you guys all on this, this journey with me when mm-hmm. in essence, I was just trying to escape going into this pit myself. And sooner or later I'll snap out of it. Like I'm no longer in danger of going in that pit. And that's when the Izbitsky burnout would come. That's when you, I, you bail. Right. And then I would have like brought you guys off. Like it was almost like my therapy was over and you guys were all like, what's going on. But I've, you don't, I didn't realize about it up until like a couple of weeks ago, as I started to analyze it, that's what this was actually coming from. And mm-hmm. that's where, and sometimes it'll be other things. It won't just be gaming. It could be like, I'll just binge watch a show. Yeah. Or, or you know, or a whole bunch of like reading the Dragonlance novels again. Mm-hmm. You know, that's very interesting. That's interesting. You know, so my, my journey was uh, at least early on was I mean we met at the same place, but we were kind of going in in very different directions. Because I remember when I met you when we were in college, you already had a pretty clear idea of of what you wanted to be. You yeah, know? and and I would say that I was I was not that at all. I mean, I was. Uh, I was always the runt of the litter. You know, I mean, you talked about getting picked on when you were in high school and, and were younger. They always called me Switzerland, or at least they did later on. I was kind of like friends with everyone. And the only times I really got a hard time was because I was a, um, I was a year ahead in, in math. And so as, a, as it was, I was the runt of the litter. But being with another grade ahead, I mean, I was truly like a mouse compared to these kids. And so, you know, most of them didn't really give me a hard time because, again, I mostly got along with everyone. But a, a few of the kids that were resentful that I was getting A's and they were getting C's and I was, you know, sleeping and they were working their butts off. You know, that was a thing to contend with. But I was not mature and I was not very goal oriented early on. You know, I just I was kind of like focused on on other things. Because oh, really? um, you've always been that way to me. You've been a model of that for me. Yeah, to, it, it well. So I, so I, I think I became that when we met. When all ah. of a sudden I went from because I didn't even have a job in high school. You know, I just sort of did stuff around. My my parents had all that property, as you know, and, and my dad would just pay me by the hour to take care of building barns, all that kind of stuff. And so I didn't even get my first real work experience until I was in college. You know, and all of a sudden, all this like adult stuff just hit me like a ton of bricks. And, and I remember having to show you how to do laundry. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know how to do anything, you know. I mean, and and so I had to. I had to confront, like, holy crap, Phil! Like, this is not a joke. Like, you are making decisions for the rest of your life. And and I realized early on also that mechanical engineering wasn't wasn't for me. 
but I wasn't a quitter and I didn't even know that you could quit. Like I just, I just was like, oh, well, I guess I'm stuck with this. I didn't know that I could stop and do something else and, and uh, perhaps go in a different direction. So, I mean, things eventually led in the right direction as far as me getting into IT and all that. You know, it, it happened pr- almost immediately after my career started that I, I left mechanical engineering and got into IT and, and things started to click. But uh, man, that that was a brutal couple of years. And, and you and I had different experience. You know, you were... Um, you were going through your own stuff at the time. I was really just trying to confront being a, being a man, you know, and what that means and yeah. kind of becoming that. I distinctly remember my car having an issue. And, you know, I lived an hour away from my parents' house and I called my dad and I was like, hey, this is going on. And my dad's answer was, okay, okay well, take care of it. <laughs> and I was like, well, you, you mean you're not going to come here and help me? You know, and he's like, no. It's like you're you're old enough now. Take care of your car, and if and we'll see you when you get home. And if and if not, then uh, you know, I guess spend the weekend at school. What do you want me to tell you? And and it was a a real eye opener for me. Yeah, there's a there's a song lyric. I forget. It's something like you know, if you're old enough to be a man, you're old enough to handle it. Yeah, on on your own. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, it's it's for me. I mean, we could talk about. It. I mean, this is a. Uh, I love airing out all the pieces of my life. So sophomore year, like you talk, and this is all goes back to dominant goal personality too. Mm-hmm. So not only were you and I depressed sophomore year, I was engaged going into college and sophomore year. I found out that that person was not being faithful Yeah, and had I to break it up. Brutal, and, and so, yeah. So imagine being thrown in the depths of depression with a, um, a dominant goal personality Mm-hmm. And you had this plan for what your life looks like. And then that's gone on top of it. I had to get out of there. And then I dealt with all this guilt around abandoning you guys. Mm-hmm. But I, it was like, it was, that was a period of like, who am I? And what am I even doing? And literally I just, this is why it took me six years to get my degree is because I pulled back on that path and I was taking maybe six credits a semester at a community college while I figured myself out. Yeah. I remember that. And that was, and that was going from early decision. I mean, you want to talk about goals, right? So I, their early decision accepted junior year into college. I had taken like AP courses. So I already finished like 12 credits was certain I was going to finish in under four years um, was engaged end of my junior year. So like I had my whole life planned out and I, and, and that, that literally that time period was everything I had planned had fallen apart, mm-hmm. which in hindsight was, was the best thing that could happen to me. I mean, you learn more from your failures than you do your successes. And it's easy to say that when you're older and you can look back because you've seen more of the story, but I can truly say that. But in the, t- in the middle of it, you're like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. Yeah, I mean one one thing that I had to learn how to do is sort of embrace the fear. You know, it was something that when I was when I was younger, especially in high school, I was kind of known as the kid that that could do whatever I did, I did it well. It didn't matter if it was playing yeah. Nintendo games, people knew that if there was a Nintendo game you couldn't beat, you give it to Phil. The sports, I mean, I picked up sports very naturally, you know, I had good grades. I was I was into art and I was one of the better artists. I I I was one of those guys that it just seemed like I picked things up and all of a sudden I got to NJIT and I I was not picking it up. 
you know well, i mean i didn't realize the, the level of work remember the bell was, curves it was like a d was an a it was so tough well i just i never i never really studied again i was just yeah. a little boy you know i never had to work for for a whole lot of anything i mean i had a good work ethic but um i didn't really know what it meant to to really bust your ass and what the consequences were if you if you didn't and so you know i remember my first semester i was on the dean's list and my second semester i was on academic probation and then the third semester i said let me get this together and i was back on the dean's list and you know i just kept fluctuating because i kept yeah. expecting it to get easy again and it doesn't work that way you got to grind and grind and grind and it was certainly a lesson that i learned is is that phil just because you've always been good at the things that you tried maybe it was because you were trying things that were already easy for you and embracing yeah. that fear of you might just fail. What are you going to do now? Um, it w was uh, was a, a huge maturity moment for me to to realize that failure was okay. Failure was something that I wasn't going to accept, you know. And and uh, I was capable of being good at things, even if maybe it wasn't something that just came naturally immediately to me. And huge, huge moment for me because it allowed me to then start breaking down barriers in other parts of my life. Yeah, uh, jo I don't know if you're listening to Jocko podcast. I think I've mentioned him before. Um, ex Navy SEAL commander, awesome motivational dude. And I actually have here written right on my desk, two things he says. Uh, one is no factor mm -hmm. and the other's good. And he always look, it doesn't matter. Like he used to, they would come to him all these problems. You know, we didn't get the ammunition we needed for the mission. He would say, good. Or it's like, it's raining when they're out to go on a patrol and he'd be like, no factor. And so I always tell myself that because that to me is you can't be brave without having fear. That's the difference. You oh, don't let the 100%. fear crumble. You, you, ch you charge towards it. And mm -hmm. I, um, one of the things you're describing too is like personal growth. The thing that I've always struggled with because of my background is failure when I don't have control. That's the stuff that always knocks me on my ass. Like, mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I ever told you this. So, I mean, growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. And there were points where my dad was out on strike as a butcher. So we didn't know if we were going to eat. And so we had rice cakes and I have this disease since I'm 10. So I'm like, and they didn't know if they were going to get me insulin or food. So I don't know if I have medicine or food. Wow. <laughs> and we didn't know how long I remember them sitting, sitting us down at the table and we had like a family meeting. And so that, uh, you know, you're dealing with all that. And that's why I think I've just, it, that helped me strive more because I didn't want that to be my life. Oh, for uh, sure. And mm -hmm. then what had happened, ha so I started working, I mean, from the paper out was like around 11, but I was, you know, at McDonald's serving customers at 14. I had like eight jobs by the time I got to college. And what happened with college is I was accepted in all of these universities. And my parents said, we don't, we don't have money. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was a thing that you never, as a kid, you, you say to yourself, well, my job is to get grades and to get a great killer SAT score, which I had, right. And just like do my part. And then on top of that, I was working and then I accomplish all that and I can't go to school. <laughs> and that was where I was like, wow, like there's a lot, like it helped me build empathy to other people because I also realized at the end of the day, as much as I mold myself, man, there, there are, there are people who have worse circumstances than me. Like you can control yourself to some points, but your circumstances too, you can get a really crappy starting point. Uh, and I still feel like I had a great starting point compared to, um, yeah. Some oh people yeah. Are, you know? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, but that yeah, was I like, mean, there's, there's, there's even parts forget about 
um, other countries, there's parts of the U.S. where there are no opportunities. These kids grow up and, and they know right from the start that they can do everything they want to. They're still stuck. That's that's not a – And it's with a, that. there's a thing that it builds though. Gary Vee says this. He says, um, you can't be hungry if your belly's full. Mm-hmm. And he means that metaphorically. And yeah. we had fires in our belly, right? And so there's that hunger there. And if everything is given to you, you don't learn to like hustle. I have such respect for people who are hustling to get out of their situation, you know? And I've also seen on the flip side, I have seen people who were given everything and turn it all away. And because they start to get through this existential crisis of like, am I my own person or is it because I've been given this? And so they actually turn their backs on it all and go from scratch, Mm -hmm. which I have total props for too. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so I've I've been listening to this book called The 10X Rule, which is pretty much everyone's heard it at this point. It's by Grant Cardone. And and one of the things that he says is he's talking about about other other people that that are not grinding the way he is, and he says, You sleep like you're rich, I'm up like I'm broke. (laughs) You know, and here's a guy who's extremely successful and he's he's never resting on his laurels. It's one of those things that uh you gotta realize that having opportunity is is uh is great, but at the end of the day, you still got to work your ass off to get where you want to be. Oh yeah, and you have to assume that everybody else is working twenty four seven to do better than you are. Mm-hmm. You know, push yourself. Yeah. And so, and, you know, to get back to the topic, that is the thing for me of getting older is. Just as much as I was punched in the gut when I was younger of realizing, all right, so money is a thing that I don't have control over and it is going to be something that is going to control that I I can't change just for my force of will, right? I've also realized that having, like you talked about patriarch, like having other people dependent on me, that's the big thing with growing up is I can't send that email at work just to tell people to F off because- there's going to be three other people that are going to be impacted by that. Right. Right. (laughs) And then you deal with that. Like, well, is this killing a piece of me? Um, Am I not being true to myself because I'm not saying what I'm going to say? Cause there's something too, man. When you look at psychologically, if you don't, if you hold your tongue and you don't say what needs to be said, that can turn into bitterness Oh, it'll age sentiment you. and ultimately anger. Yeah. It'll age yeah. you. You know, you'll go gray and, and uh, <laughs> you'll start to ache a lot sooner than you need to if you feel like you're, whole, you're bearing the, the world's weight on your shoulders. And so, it, like, how do you do? I, I think starting to talk about it, stuff like this is great, mm-hmm. is being able to vocalize it uh, yeah. helps a lot. And I've also, a lot of it is acceptance, but not, a, not like an unhealthy acceptance, like an acceptance that says, what are the things I actually can control in my life? This is what I've been trying to do. And maybe you've picked up on this like the past year or two is that I've said, if I can't control this thing in career, but I've got this dominant goal personality, what are the things that I actually can control? Like where can I make in a difference? Sometimes it's helping other people. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's changing yourself, your mind, your body, your spirit, in other ways too, but really focusing on what you can actually control that can help you feel like you're progressing towards a goal. Oh, for sure. I mean, this is something that I deal with at work all the time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the most senior executive uh, executives within the company, but even so the company existed long before 
Um, I joined it. I've been there for seven years now, and it's going to be around, who knows? I mean, it's been around for 40 years, might be around for another 140 years. You never know. And so there's a lot of culture there, and there's a lot of um, parts of of the um, the decision-making process and sort of the strategic direction that I can affect and I can I can influence, but I can't control. And so the question is, how important is that control to me? And the answer is, it's it's just not as important to me as it might have been much earlier in my career. What's important to me now is making sure that that my voice is heard and that my my opinions and sort of my beliefs and my value are are um, are being put forward and being represented, and that the organization is ultimately going to go in the direction that it's supposed to go. Um, and it might just not be, you know, it might just not have anything to do with with me controlling that. And I have to be okay with that. And so the ways, the things that I do is is I'll mentor, you know, and I'll um, I'll spend my energy shaping some of the younger leaders within the organization, or I'll I'll spend my my um, a lot of the new hires. I spend a lot of time just things that I do day to day that I take for granted. If I'm doing it and they're in the in my sort of periphery, I'll grab them over and say, "Hey, I'm about to get on this call with whatever. Hey, just pay attention and let me show you what I'm doing." And it's a way to continue to move the company forward in little incremental ways without maybe making these massive seismic shifts that I just I don't have the ability to to snap my fingers and make things go the way that that I think they should. And the truth is that's that's good. The organization's been around for a long time just because they've been very thoughtful in the way that they they progress on some things. Yeah, that's I find um, what I, how, the way I approach it, and I've been thinking about it. A question I ask myself is, what is my legacy outside of my kids and my family? Because I think for most people, when you think of legacy, you think of that. And so I'm like, how am I going to be remembered? with the people that I impact every day. And so I it kind of holds you up to an accountability because there's nothing better. There's nothing I respect more than somebody who gives of themselves with zero expectation in return. And so yeah. I've tried to do that. Like even, um, I guess, well, I guess, you know, cause this date will be different. I hate like calling out people or anything, but um, like I get a lot of requests for podcasts and stuff. And then mm-hmm. I respond back and say, sure, I got the time. And like, people are ecstatic, but they're like surprised that I'm giving my time. Yeah. And that's like, I'm really, to me, it's just one human being to another. And then they get and listen to me ramble on for an hour anyway. So I don't know who's more fortunate <laughs> anyway. It's like therapy. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's like some people don't realize just how much time they actually have. If you really yeah, sit down and think about piece. it, yep. like it's, it's not that hard to make the time. I mean, you and I hung out the other day. Um, why? Well, because my daughter had a had a, a soccer tournament in Pennsylvania, and I figured if I make a you know a forty five minute detour, I can I can be at your house while I'm there, and and yeah. why not take advantage of that opportunity? I mean, if if you're if you're creative and if you're just sort of open to the fact that maybe you can break your silly little routines and just spend a few hours with somebody, that's really kind of what you want to be doing in the first place. You know, you don't necessarily have to sit in front of Netflix or do whatever you're doing on your phone or in front of the TV and all that other stuff. People think they become such slaves to their, to their routines that they don't realize it's actually other than the things that you absolutely have to do, do stuff you want to, and certainly do it with human beings, you know, and other people. And I mean, ultimately to me, that's the legacy is the, the, those moments that you spend with people that, um, 
they weren't even sometimes expecting it. Like the, that's, oh, yeah. that's the special times. And I have to, that's such a core part of your personality as a friend. I have to be careful what I ask you. Like if I say, Hey, Phil, you want to do this? I know you'll say yes. <laughs> I say yes every time. Yeah, of course. Can I uh, make it happen? Right. I make it happen so, every time. And that's because and you shouldn't, you shouldn't, fe- you shouldn't be careful and you should ask every time because, well, because a lot of, more I think as a, as a human being, sometimes you're just, it's off the cuff. You're thinking, and you, then you don't wind up wanting to do it anyway. It, it, well, not, no, not, not, not you. I mean, me as in a, in a thing like, uh, so let's take, let's take tonight, for example. So we were originally going to do this Monday night and I had a commitment to my kids, you know? And so yeah. I did that. And then tonight again, we started out a little bit late, right? Because again, I had a commitment to my kids. Yeah, no I'm problem. always putting first things first, but you know, at, at the end of the day, it's like the, uh, other things are a close second. And if, if we wouldn't have been doing this, or if I wouldn't have taken the time to, to swing by your house a couple weekends ago, what would I have been doing otherwise? You know, I mean, I'm sure it would have been something that would have been valuable, but like it's, I guess you know, I connecting know. with the most important people is really, to me, is more important than anything else. Yeah. I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is it's such an amazing quality you have and it's always come natural to you. You are always there like for everybody. And so I, it's just like, it's Phil, it's who Phil is. And you said something years ago, um, Maybe we were talking about marriage and all the work, and you said it's also friendships, man. You have to choose to take the time to put into a friendship. I remember, I specifically remember you saying something like that, and it's always, yeah. it's always stuck with me. Um, and it's true, you know. It's it's even like when we all get together as a group and we go to those like midnight showings of a movie. We're all mm-hmm. older, and we're all feel. It's funny seeing everyone's faces, but like the stuff that comes out of that that we remember or we're joking around and I'm taking like a hundred selfies on flattering of everyone's face. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's where the memories are. In fact, that's the video. I got to digitize the video, but that's when you and I were in college and we had that snowstorm over my house that I have the video of. That's, oh yeah. You've had this, you've that. had a quality of personality where a lot of times you realize you're making memories while you're making memories. Not everybody has mm-hmm. that much self-awareness. So you're out on the porch um, and you know, we're in college it was after a night of drinking and we're sobering up. You think you're having like a soda or something and it's snowing out and you realize you got to drive home in the snow now. And you were like, this is where the memories happen, man. <laughs> While I, was recording. I remember that exact quote. Yeah. I remember it vividly. And it's, and That's it's true. Funny. So look, it is in the memories. That's a memory I'm going to, I got to record and, and send to you. But in the end, I remember reading something that, um, at the end of the life, the people that they interview, and the people who feel that life was like too short and they didn't do what they want to do and they're filled with regret were very high routine. There's no way to see looking back every day kind of merged. And the people yeah. who felt that they were ready and that they've lived an amazing life and they have all, are the people that went out and did stuff and created memories and didn't hold back. Right. Because and a little more spontaneity and a little less, I'm swamped, it's crazy, life's hectic. I get that bull crap from half the people that I, I reach out to and say, hey, let's get together. I've got a former coworker that I've been trying to have lunch with, lunch, for a year and a half. Ugh. And every time I reach out to this guy, which is about every two months, I get the same answer. You know, things are swamped right now, crazy, hectic. Like, no, they're not. You're having lunch with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, do you not eat? I mean, I'll drive to your office. We could eat lunch together. It's 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 more about um 
people embracing that that routine. It's just to, to I'm just not wired that way. I mean, I, I'm almost now. wired the opposite, which is I want to I want my my life to have fresh experiences and to have some spontaneity to it. Um, and I think I think that's a good way to to end it. Is that you need to put the time into relationships, as Oscar Wilde said, all things in moderation, including moderation, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's at least that's when I look back. Man, there's so many college memories, but there's work memories. It's all the stuff that we've done, all the little fill fests and things. Everything else, man, that stuff merges. It's like it's the points in my kids as them growing up, all the different milestones I'll remember. It's vacations I've taken. That's the other thing I always give people advice on. If you're debating taking a like a family vacation or a trip somewhere or doing something else, the the it's you only get your kids for so long and they turn into other oh, human beings and so those trips are irreplaceable as far as cost goes oh yeah i mean some, something that i tell people all the time is being a dad or being a parent is about getting to know these little people and then saying goodbye to them every couple months because they're they're not the same person every couple months their you know their personalities change they evolve at the core they're still the same person and that's cool to watch their own journey but they they change and they evolve and, and all of a sudden your little girl that used to hold your hand doesn't i'm fortunate you, you you mentioned that your kids don't go up and give you a hug or whatever mine don't necessarily do that but i've got i've got mine crawling into my lap still one's 11 years old now and she'll crawl right up into my lap and just want to sit there actually she was fighting over it the other night and um, oh yeah, I mean it's awesome, you know, but but that's that's a part of being a parent and watching them go through the journey. And I guess that's kind of where where I'm at is is I spent the um the first part of my life focusing on my journey and I still do, but I'm also now focusing on four other little journeys that are going on with my kids. And that's that, that's an, an equally interesting aspect of where I am in my journey. And that's the secret sauce too, right? Is that you're helping them out on their journeys. But your journey should never become just helping them on theirs because I think that's right. that's the real trick because then they're gone one day and there's all this resentment of like, who am I anymore? Mm-hmm. You know? And so it's like keeping figuring out yourself who you are can help a ton in them showing them the way to figure out who they are too. Here's the other thing. I want to, I just want to mention this. I was literally asking myself, I was laughing like three days, like three days ago, three hours ago. Here's a realization I came to for almost 15 years of, of expectation with my oldest, right. And all the advice I've given everything, um, she's still making the same mistakes I did. (laughs) Oh yeah. So you're like, well, what's, what is, what is just unavoidable based on personnel? Because I was like, oh, it's going to be different because nobody's given me this advice. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, wow. I'm like, same mistake. And and my and she's going to have to learn the same hard lessons that I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, and it's not just your kids. You know, I'm seeing things, you know, even as adults, a lot of our, our close friends their lives are going through a very similar cadence and some very similar challenges in, in maybe, you know, offset by a few years to things that I went through. And, you know, I'm talking specifically about my divorce and what happened in going through that and people seeing me go through that is now when they're experiencing some of these same challenges, I'm like their go-to person. And so I've more or less 
been the the um the sole confidant of some very very personal stuff for approximately six of my wow. either close friends or people that are maybe aren't close friends but are close enough that they trusted me to share some of this stuff with and it's been um it's helped me learn a little a lot about myself going through these things and to also sort of rediscover some of the reasons why I went through this stuff and and learning more about why I went through it by seeing them go through it, which is a cool, um, I want to call it a side effect of, of helping people is in a lot of ways, you're learning a lot about yourself by, by, um, by helping them figure out and sort of helping them get through the challenges that they're experiencing. And sometimes there's, there's no helping at all. You know, you just sit there and you listen and you say, man, I care about you and I'm here and you're important. You know, you're important. You are, you are someone who's who's important to the world and special and just keep on going. You'll get through this. And even that's something I wish I would have had. Well, <laughs> you know? I think, yeah. When I went through this experience, I I had you and, and your brother and all of our kind of our core friends. All of a sudden, I was like, man, I am a lucky dude because every single one of you guys rallied and I'll never forget it. Oh, that's awesome to hear, man. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> It's it's now you threw me off, <laughs> but yeah, I uh, people are so fascinated. This is why I love hearing stories. Is that it's amazing what you can learn, and when when people let you into their lives and they and they talk about what things go on and and uh, how they react. And everyone everyone has stuff. Like there is nobody, no matter what, no matter who you see, you see these perfect couples, you see these people that are so well to get put together. You know, I, I, I got my college roommate was this guy who was engaged and had his career all figured out and everything else. Everyone's got stuff, yep. you know, and if you get to, to know people close enough, you'll see, you'll get, you'll see through their ups and downs and you'll realize they are exactly like you. They're having all the same, cha- you know, maybe not the exact same challenges, but challenges that are of the same order of magnitude as things that you've gone through. And a lot of times, um, a lot deeper, you know, I mean, I can look back, especially some of the things that I've been sort of, you know, helping people through and just sort of the, the experiences that are being shared with me. And I'm a lucky dude. I mean, I've had my ups and downs, but I'm a lucky dude. And I, and I, I count my blessings every day. I agree, man. That's a good way to, uh, that's a good way to end it is, uh, count your blessings. Don't focus on what you don't have humbleness. Yeah. And uh, that'll keep you focused. All right, man. Good time as always. Definitely.